On this episode of Own Your Business, I'll be joined by Katie Taylor Jacobson to talk about how you can create the perfect contact form. We're going to touch on why contact forms are such a hot button issue, share two different approaches to getting more inquiries, give you two questions to ask yourself before choosing which option is right for you, provide a handful of fields to put on your form if you want to get better inquiries, and give you the five fields we recommend to include if you simply want more inquiries. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. You have to be my absolute favorite guest. You have to say that. You're married to me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're back. We're hearing over and over again from our one-on-one clients, whether it's my coaching clients or the team's copywriting clients, what to do about a contact form on the website. It's just like one of those hot button issues. I always feel like there's two camps. There's the just ask the bare minimum camp. And then there's the, I'm going to ask them every question that I could possibly want to know about them on the contact form so that I don't actually have to have a conversation with them or that I qualify them or pre-qualify them so much that, you know, I don't have to talk to them unless they're my perfect buyer. So let's dig into this because I think this is really the important thing. And then let's go back to what you were sharing about these two different camps, because I I think you're right. Like all things that Katie and I talk about, it depends on your business and your buyer and the goals of your business, what it is that you should be doing. There's no one right way to do a contact form. One day I might tell somebody to set up a tent in camp one of, you know, make it as frictionless as possible and send everybody into your inbox another day, or actually another hour. I might tell a different coaching client that I have to put up as many obstacles and barriers as Mm -hmm. possible and to use your contact page, your contact form as a way to do that. I just want to make sure that as we get going into this, because it is such a hot button topic that what we're sharing with you is an understanding about how to make a decision and then what you can do for your contact page, because there's no surefire way. And in fact, for you, it may change at different times of the year based on your booking pace or how much time you have to field inquiries. It may change slowly and steadily as you start to work with, you know, more exclusive clientele and fewer events that you get paid more. There's no one way to do it. Not even for you as a wedding pro. Yeah, no one-size-fits-all approach for everybody. One thing that we can agree on that I would hope that that we can agree on is that the number one goal of the contact page is to get people to contact you. Well, you and I agree on that for sure. Whether you're trying to screen people out or filter them with pre-qualifications, you know, the contact form ultimately is is meant to be a way to contact you. And so what we want to do is we want to recognize that that is ultimately the highest goal of the page. But there are some more things that need to be done before we go through and talk about the specifics of it. When going through and evaluating what kind of contact page you should have as a wedding professional, what would you recommend? 
Katie, that they ask themselves. I always go back to who is your buyer? No matter what, you always have to start with who is your buyer, which ultimately at this point is who is your reader? Who is it that's landing on the website? What is their buyer type? I think you're probably sensing a theme by now that that is something that we base everything around. What is your buyer type? What are the boss, for example, they want to get right to it. Whereas the analyzer wants to know what's going to happen after I click submit on this button. The contact page is even going to vary long or short, might even vary just based on who their buyer is. I think that's really important. We always want to design everything in the buyer's journey around the buyer themselves. And so the contact page is, is not just a form. Um, there's other elements that go into it, and we want to make sure that we're factoring those in. One of the criteria that I wanted to suggest is, for me, the most fundamental criteria is what kind of inquiries do you want to get? Do you want to get more inquiries or do you want to get better inquiries? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, it's not both at the same time. You don't oftentimes get more and better inquiries. I mean, it'd be great. Would that be great? That'd be like working less and making more. Right. I'd like to do that too. <laughs> Hands up. The more inquiries and better inquiries typically is a challenge to do. We want to make sure that you start off with one fundamental question, which is who is your buyer? And also what is your business goal? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to accomplish? We know, for instance, that the more work that you create for your reader, the less likely they are to continue on, whether that's you know, not putting the information in a logical, sequential way, not putting headlines where they need to go or summarizing them with crossheads, not giving them calls to action and making them hunt across the website to try and find them instead of using big contrasting buttons. All these things make it hard for people to go through and your contact form is no different. If you want to create friction, then you would continue to do that on the contact form and that will make it harder for people to get through. And so, for instance, somebody who wants to have better inquiries, more qualified inquiries, that would be a really good thing to apply to the contact page. Make it filled with friction. What are some ways that we can make the contact form itself filled with friction. Imagining that most people are on a smart device filling out your contact form, just the sheer number of required fields that they have to fill out would be a form of friction. More thumbs. Exactly. (laughs) More motion with the thumb, right? People get tired of typing. And so the more they have to type, even, I don't know if you're like me, but like, and I'm a boss type. So boss types, like Katie mentioned earlier, we don't like to spend our time on the details. We want to do the fastest, most efficient way to get to the bottom line. The result is possible. If I see a form that has more than five or six fields in it, I literally will say like, are you effing kidding me? (laughs) You want me to do this? And sometimes I'll go through, I'm like, I'm just opting out. I'm going to punch this service provider. And I do this a lot with like travel, for instance, I'm like, nope, not spending my money with you. You asked me too many questions. Ta-ta. I abandoned the form and I'm not alone. Whether, you know, you're as particular about your contact forms as I am or not. What we do know is that study after study after study says that somewhere between 60 and 80% of all people who start a form will abandon it before they finish it. 60 to 80% 
80%. I mean, think about the pain that that brings to any business owner. You've done everything you can with social media, doing, you know, reels or TikTok or posting or Pinterest, and you get them to go through and read your profile and bio. And then they land on your homepage and they go through, they read your homepage, they make it through all the other pages. And they're like, you know what? I like this person. I think that they could be my person. And then they get on your contact page and they start filling it out. They scroll through the third screen's worth of form fields that you are asking. I'm out of here. Like, I'm sorry. Like my friend just got back from the bathroom at the restaurant that we're having dinner at. And now I got to put my phone down and I'm no longer going to finish out the form. So increasing the amount of fields that you have is certainly a friction point. And so, for instance, if you wanted to get better inquiries, you would make it harder for people to fill out the form. And the reason why we would want to do that is because it shows more commitment to making the inquiry. Mm -hmm. So that's the relationship that we're looking for with making it harder for somebody to move forward is that they have to be more interested. They have to have more desire to reach out. And that's why it's a qualifier. Just a simple fact of putting out the effort. Katie suggested putting in a lot of form fields as a way to create friction and, and better qualify to get better prospects. And I'm going to suggest another one, which is to ask questions uh, that require um, specificity and, and decisions to have already been made. So let's say you're a photographer or a videographer or a floral designer, somebody who's downstream, basically not a planner, not a venue. You only want to receive inquiries from people who have picked a wedding date and have picked a venue because those two typically go hand in hand. And that means that they are actually ready to book your services. For instance, if you are a photographer and you get hit up by somebody who has not yet picked their date, they cannot book you. Right. You have a fixed number of dates. You need to know if you're available on their particular date. That's right. So that person is not yet qualified to make the purchase because they don't know what date to reserve you. You can never get them to sign a contract without it. Mean, maybe you could, but you know, 99% of the people out there who are photographing weddings aren't going to give a contract to somebody who doesn't know what date they're going to photograph the wedding on. Right? right. If you ask a question and require it to be filled out, for instance, on your contact form, and that question is date or venue or both, that means that if the person fills it out, that they are now qualified to actually make a purchase decision for your services. If you are a photographer or floor designer or AV or station, whatever it may be. So that would be another type of question that you could ask that would help to qualify the person who's filling out the form and make sure that you're working with an inquiry that's not just out there price shopping, kicking tires, a looky-loo, window shopping. They're actually ready to make a purchase. Mm -hmm. Let's do one more. What's one more way that you could create resistance in the contact form and know that that's going to help get you better qualified prospects to hit your inbox? Anything that is a bit of a challenge to answer, mm. like requires them to have put some thought into, like for example asking if you're a photographer, asking if there was a specific gallery that resonated with them on your website and why. Mm. And what I mean by that is now they have to do a little bit of extra work related to your services. It's hard. Like you and I are like, we, we love going out and traveling. Sometimes when we travel, we go to museums and sometimes I'm like, yes, I really want to go to that museum. And other times I'm like, absolutely not. That's a, such a waste of time. Or I only want to spend 30 minutes in there because I want to see one painting or, or whatever it may be. And if you were to ask me like, why 
I probably couldn't say any other reason than like, I don't know. I just don't like that. Like when we were in Paris, you're like, hey, babe, you want to go to the Picasso Museum? Nope. Can't stand Picasso. (laughs) But when we're thinking about our trip to Italy, I'm like, you know what we should do? We should get a layover for a couple of nights in Amsterdam so that we can go to the Van Gogh Museum. Uh It's it's like worth spending an extra thousand dollars for me to stop off and go to the Van Gogh Museum. Why? I don't know. I just like his paintings. So when you ask somebody a question, like you just said, what kind of images or what gallery or what resonated with my style or my vibe or the look or, you know, what wedding did you appreciate the most? You're making them articulate what they liked and actually go through and explain that to you. And that's, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work mentally and physically. Exactly. Yeah. It's a real challenge. I think that's a really good one. You know, a a spinoff of that, that I like that you can ask in the contact form is something along the lines of like, how would you describe the look and feel of your wedding? Mm -hmm. And, And this is important if you not just are a designer, but if you're somebody who's downstream, because what it means is that they put thought into what they want things to look like. And as we all know, whether it's catering or desserts or AV or furniture or tabletop, if they don't know what the look and feel and style of their event is, they can't make any decisions because it all has to come together. There's a through line. So that's another great question to ask. So sum up this real quick, this part of it, before we move over to not just better inquiries, but more inquiries. If you want to have better qualified inquiries, you've got to ask more questions that will create resistance, create work, will create friction, will make it harder, more difficult for people to fill out the form. And what that does is it requires them to either be further along in the decision-making process or to want to put the time into filling out the form because they want your services bad enough. You're creating a high barrier to entry with your contact form. And so that's one way to do it. And so if you, maybe, maybe your calendar is pretty full for next year, maybe you're ahead of booking pace, maybe you only take a handful of events, um, you know, whatever it may be, whatever you're trying to do um, is going to somehow be based on, I only need fewer inquiries, but I need really good ones. And I'm willing to spend some time on those, but I don't want to waste my time on people who aren't qualified. Now, it's a great position to be in. Who wouldn't want to be in that position? I've got both my hands up right now. I'd love to be in that position. I was, you know, when I was selling venues and catering, I'd love to be in that spot. Like, boom, I'm 80% full, only need X number to fill out my calendar. But not everybody's in that spot. And frankly, this is something for us all to think about as you're going through and looking at, say, 2022. You may be full or filling up in 2022, but 2023, I know seems crazy, is just around the corner. We're about ready to head into engagement season here for 2021-2022 winter. And as we do that, we need to remember that 2023 weddings are going to start inquiring. And so while we may be full or only taking a handful more events for 2022, we still have a wide open calendar for 2023. So we don't want to just close the door on the inquiries. We want to make sure that we're leaving it open. So obviously the opposite is true, which is that we would want to reduce the number of contact points with the form filler outer that would then create friction. Mm-hmm. So we recommend five different fields that you should use if you want to really just truly simplify your contact form. And like, I call it like either turning the switch on or opening the floodgates, right? Actually, you recommend one. 
Yeah. <laughs> he Sam's like, I only need one. Just email. give me this one email. I'm good. I, I don't go. even need the name. Yeah, <laughs> don't like, even need the name. I just go from there. Give me your email. Hi there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here you're getting married. So, so clue email yeah. is one of them. Yeah. Email is one. And we want to require that yes, one, correct. right? Another one. Uh, name. And it doesn't have to be first and last. It can just be first name, frankly. Mm-hmm. Don't need to know the partner's name. Nope. Don't need to know the last names. Just need to know one person's name. Correct. Right? And, and so name and email are required. Those two are required. And then we have a couple more fields that are not required, but are, are nice to know and can speed up the process a little bit and also help to qualify them enough. Which are, I believe, date if known and um, venue if known. Mm-hmm. Because those are the two things that we talked about. You know, they may or may not have those decided. Um, obviously, if you're a venue, you wouldn't put the venue in. Um, but those are another couple of good questions to put in there. And then your last and favorite one. Uh, the open form field. And this is a really great way to not necessarily qualify by making it challenging for the person who's filling out the contact form, but to qualify based on the response that they give. And so there have been good studies that show that the number of characters, basically the effort that people are willing to put into an open form field for a contact form will indicate the level of desire and interest that they have for moving forward. The more characters... It could also just mean they're a relator. <laughs> Very true. Very true. You'll find that, you know, again, going back to buyer types, which we always do, your buyer type is a relator. The relator tends to relate more and wants to communicate and connect and they'll share all the stories. They'll include the name of their, you know, dog that they want to be a ring bearer and their wedding and, you know, right. all, all of these things, you know, why they pick the venue or the date. I mean, they'll give you the story behind everything. <laughs> And yes, aside from you can tell if it's a relator, no joke, like the form field is a great way to understand what kind of buyer you have and how interested they are based on what they say and how much they say. Correct. If you get somebody who spends a ton of time filling out your contact open form field, then you know that they're probably very interested or at least more serious about the purchase decision because they're putting more energy and effort into it. And this is a really great way to, to pre-qualify without making them jump through all the obstacles that we talked about over the last few minutes if you wanted just better inquiries. So open that form field up. A couple of different things to consider. One, it's good to put a question in there with a question mark as a prompt for the open form field. So could be something like what's on your mind, um, which is what Facebook uses as its prompt to get you to type. I'm guessing they probably spent millions, if not tens right. of millions so just of dollars. Go with their best practices. Uh, doing research on how to motivate people to want to type <laughs> something into a form field. Right. So that's their prompt. I recommend that. Um, Another one that I like is anything else you'd like to share question mark, you know, uh, or what else would you like to share would be even better. Anything else is a closed question. uh, uh, And then, you know, what else is an open ended question? Um, You know, so we want to ask some some kind of open ended question or at the very least put a question mark at the end of the prompt. Or you could do something like tell me more, which is a, a request that typically people are willing to oblige. And if you put in there, like, tell me more about what kind of experience you're interested in, or tell me more about what you're most excited about something that they might be able to answer without thinking too much, but you don't want to get into too 
big of a thought process for them to articulate what it is that you're asking them. The, the whole point here is that it's just an open space for them to share as much as they want, for you to gauge their interest, maybe pick up on a personal detail or something specific about their wedding, and then be able to incorporate that into your response. And if you want, get super sophisticated, like Katie mentioned, give me a thousand words, give me give me a hundred words from somebody in an open form field, and I can probably tell you 80% of accurate what kind of buyer they are and therefore what's going to motivate them and how to communicate with them and what to focus on. So in going through and paying attention to the information that they share can be really helpful and, and be a part of that qualifying process while still reducing the, the friction, reducing the resistance that they have to filling it out. We should test you on a future show. Yeah. Have hit. people send in their response and be like, guess their buyer type. Well, you know, so so we we did this. This is way back when pre-pandemic uh, in January and February, Katie and I did a couple of different workshops. We did three, four day immersive workshops and uh, we did them in houses. We just rented a couple of big houses and it was real chill and casual. One of the things that it was like a party trick, like at the end of the day, we'd get out the you know bottles of wine and beer or whatever and sit around. And while we had the, the chef cooking up dinner, we would sit there and people would give me their inquiries and I would I would I'd be like oh this is what we got to do and this is who you're selling to and here's what's going to motivate them it was or, so fun we would close like in real time we had the first workshop that we did in in Keo we actually had two deals that closed with our workshop attendees it was awesome yeah, it was I love so going fun. through it LinkedIn we were profiling them on LinkedIn and yeah it was crazy yeah so it's a big part of what you can do to be successful is to pay attention to what your clients are telling you. So let's put a little bow on this one and just again, go back through and recognize that there are many different ways to create a contact form uh, on a contact page. There's no perfect way to do it for every business in the wedding industry. There's only a perfect way for your business with your buyers at that point in your business's life cycle. We want to make sure that you recognize that the more friction that you want to create, the less likely you are to get more inquiries, but the more likely you are to get better inquiries. And the less friction that you create, the more likely you are to open up the valve and get more people to inquire. And then you can use the discovery process as a way to qualify them. As you go through and you think about what kind of contact form would be perfect for your business, first start with what are your current goals and what do you want to see more of? Would you like to see more inquiries, period? Or would you like to see better inquiries and spend your time working with people who are better qualified? Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 